Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. We appreciate you joining us. Just before we actually start bringing our guest in here, if you have not hit the subscribe button yet, if you have not given us a review or rating, please do. Give an honest one. We want honest feedback. And if you've not subscribed to our email list, please do so because a week does not go by where someone does not say, hey Dave, let me know when your next event is or when this happens or when you're thinking about doing this. I do that on our emails because I can't remind over 3,000 local business owners that subscribe to this podcast in Western New York about what's going on with the Western Entrepreneur. So I just want to start off with that real quick. If you have not subscribed to our email list or to this podcast or left a review, please do so. We appreciate it and we know it'll help you as well. So let's dive into today's guest today. We have Tom Larson, a good friend of mine from Larson Insurance right here in good old Williamsville, New York. Clarence Williamsville. Yeah, right in the yeah, anyways, welcome, man. And uh, Tom and I have been friends for years now, and Tom and I are involved in a lot of different things together. But Tom, I, I know I know your story, but I'm guessing some people don't. Okay. So if you don't mind, dive in. So like, how did you get into what you're doing today? If you don't mind, start from as early as you want to start. Well, I came out of owning a, a couple of bars and restaurants in town. And unfortunately, I came out of a bankruptcy because I didn't manage them very well. I was young and maybe foolish, I guess you might want to say. Anyways, a friend of mine in West Seneca, Rick Shunky, owned Shunky Insurance. And he said, you ever think about selling insurance? And I said, no, but you know, it appeals to me. And so I started there just commission only. So no salary, no draw, no. So you no started nothing. working from originally? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's how I got my license. So it was just him, me and two uh, CSRs, two customer service representatives. And basically, I started building my own book of business within his business. So he always recognized that that my business that I was building was my business, even though he was the owner of the agency. Because I, I was commission only, I attended bar a couple nights a week. I refereed hockey on the weekends. I owned a couple of rental properties, and then I sold insurance. So I had like multiple streams of income coming in, which helped me out. And then my wife worked for National Fuel, so that that helped out too because she had a steady, steady paycheck coming in. So, so that's how I got my start, and it's been thirty-two years now that I've had my insurance license, and I've been selling insurance for thirty-two years. And I, I guess I, I sort of got lucky because I, I just fell in love with this business, and I love what I do. I love my business, and it's a great business to be in. And unfortunately, our industry is becoming older and older, and there's not a lot of young people coming into it which if they knew how good this business was, that they would really come into the insurance business. That's a call to you guys right there if you're listening and looking for something new. So, Tom, when did you officially go out on your own and and why? What kind of started that? Um, So I worked for for Rick. We were high school friends, actually. We worked for him for like 12 and a half years. And then his son and daughter started coming in the business. I helped them grow it to where we had, I think, six producers, which we call salespeople in insurance. And I think we had either five or six CSRs. So I helped him, you know, build that business up. But when his son and daughter came in, I sort of saw the writing on the wall, so to speak, mm-hmm. and said, you know what, 
maybe it's time I just go and do my own thing. So, so I did. So 19, 19 and a half years ago, I left, I bought a, a building on transit road in Depew and left and just started from scratch and started my own agency. I love it. Now, did you start under that or Joey started selling different types of insurances? No, I, I, it, it was still, you know, auto home. One of my niches is landlords. Restaurants is another small little niche that we have. So it's just, you know, staying within what I always knew and then getting some of my old clients away from his agency and into my agency. But it was a one-off thing. I had to take them one at a time, one at a time. So, so I did that. I don't know, probably took me about maybe four to five years of doing that to really ramp up and get up to speed with with my new business. Mm. So, yeah, And by the way, for our listeners out there, if you're ever wondering, why do I ask all these questions about this? It's because I love hearing the stories. I love hearing Tom's stories. Tom's story, I've heard it before, but I'm, I'm, it's been cool to recap it again years later. And I want you guys to know the why. Like, why do, how do entrepreneurs think, especially successful entrepreneurs? How do they think? How do they When's a good time to move? When's a good time to stay? When's a good time to to do? And, and even though we don't know when the perfect answer is, often we have to go by our gut or instinct. And I don't know about you, but I like to learn from other people's stories, not just in other people's mistakes, not just my own. So, so Tom, that being said, man, what do you think is the biggest thing you learned when you went on your own? And what it and that'll kind of catapult to the next question is, and you can answer it both at once if you want. What would advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are starting their business on their own for the first time? I think what I learned was that uh, I was very underfunded when I started off. I was paying payroll with credit cards. So you're I mean, probably the 20th person that's done this on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yes, I, I believe that. Oh, I know. But so I was definitely underfunded. But then luckily, I, I really love using uh, Alden State Bank because they're like almost pro business. They're small, local. They're still owned locally. And, um, issue I had was I owned the building on Transit Road and it was in my wife's name and my corporation paid rent to her. Mm-hmm. Well, every other bank in town wanted to make me guarantee the the new mortgage, the refinancing, because it was a privately held mortgage. And uh, everybody wanted to tie my business to that because it was a one single use building. Mm-hmm. I was the only tenant. And the only one that said no, that they would just lend based on my wife was Alden State Bank. So they helped me out. Then they gave me a line of credit. So then that helped me get out from using credit cards. So um, hats off to Alden State Bank. Really, they've been they've been great for me. And then I think if somebody was starting out, like I'm going back to my restaurant days, but, but even in the insurance days, is uh, I think it's huge that you need to find a mentor to help you come over the rough patches in life, so to speak. Um, Rick Shunky was sort of my mentor in insurance, so that helped because he had been in in the business for I don't know maybe nine or ten years at that point, something like that. And I wish I had one in the restaurant business because my goal there was to buy one and build it and sell it, and buy one and build it and sell it, and I'd actually get into a fine dining type of situation. But that that never happened. So, mm. so I would say find a mentor would be my biggest uh, my mm. biggest suggestion. Yeah, so let's pause there for a second. So for our listeners out there, who mentors you? Who do you go to for advice in, in any situation? Not even just in business, maybe personal. Maybe it's marital. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's sometimes you just need someone to, to vent to in a way that it's just been a bad day. But for me, I love, in fact, actually before I answer my question, I answer or I start saying it, who do you look for in a mentor, Tom, when, when you had a mentor? 
like maybe characteristics or things that they embody, perhaps? I would say somebody that has a passion for what they do. That would be number one, I guess. And somebody that's always looking to grow or be in a growth mode and not just um, sit back and be, say, have a successful business and then just sit back and, and not, you know, not be aggressive or not be wanting to grow, so to speak. I know it, with Rick Shunky, he wanted to grow and we were growing and growing and growing. But then when the kids came in, I sort of saw the writing on the wall and like, mm-hmm. well, you know, do I want to stay with this or do I want to just do my own thing? So right, it was it was tough at the beginning, but it was a good transition. And now, you know, now I'm in a good place. And, and matter of fact, I uh, I just signed up to to uh, volunteer for SCORE, for the SCORE organization, because now it's about time for me to mentor somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's that's at the point in my life is that, you know, trying to give back and try to mentor uh, other people. Yeah. So I want to ask the question again for our listeners, who is mentoring you or who do you lean on? And I like to ask myself these questions. Are they where I want to be? How is their, do they have a well-rounded, balanced life? Because, you know, some of them be successful, but maybe they have no life. Maybe maybe they just put business above else. And not that that's necessarily wrong in different points of life. But for me, I'm like, I always want to make sure that I'm taking care of my family in terms of not necessarily financially, but relationally. Am I actually available to my emotionally available to them? So I always love when I look for mentors is, yeah, they got a successful business, but how is their marriage? How, how do they have a relationship with their kids? And if they have all those, which is rare, by the way, I found out I like to, I like to, I pull towards those people. So for me, I love to have mentors that are kind of a well-rounded that way. So for, for our listeners out there, I want to ask again, just for a quick second, for you, for food for thought, who is mentoring you and who can you reach out today just to grab a cup of coffee? It doesn't have to be this crazy outline thing. It's like, sometimes like, hey, can we just grab coffee the first Tuesday every month? And which is which is catch up, and I'd love to run ideas through you or what's going in my brain. And of course, you can tell me about you as well. That that was instrumental for me, so I'm totally in line with you there. So obviously, your niche and your passion is insurance and coveraging, and specifically restaurants mm-hmm. as well. So I want to ask, what are the wrong questions that entrepreneurs or business owners are asking when they're like, I'm sure they ask, "Hey, can you can you quote me in insurance?" Right? I, that's usually but. What is questions you think they should be asking to know that, A, they have a knowledgeable agent, they're getting, and, you know, not just being covered properly, but I'll, I'll leave it there open-ended for you. What questions do you think people should ask in a general sense? Well, unfortunately, sometimes it comes down to numbers, right? And a lot of them ask about how much, how much, how much. But in my mind is you need to protect yourself. You need to protect your business so that, you know, something happens, God forbid, you know, you're, you're going to be out, you know, a chunk of money. I think the question should be, you know, what, what are my exposures out there? You know, what am I exposed to and what solutions do you have that can help me limit those exposures? I'll give you like just one example. I insure actually um, three restaurants on Hurdle Avenue. Now, now I insure four, but so like two, I think it was, I think it might've been three years ago. I think it was pre COVID Friday night, transformer somewhere along Hurdle Avenue failed and blew and no power all night, Friday night, right? Big night for restaurants, Friday night. All three, luckily I added on what's called off-premises power failure. So that coverage, what it, what it gives them is gives them the lost income that they lost on that Friday night. So all three of them got a check 
because they had just op- based on their ba- like let's say their their past Friday nights, they actually can, yes yes wow, just on the revenue right. So they'll go back. The insurance company go back like ten weeks, twelve weeks, and average out what they average on a Friday night. And then they'll pay them the money for the lost income for oh, wow. that night. I was just thinking if they so, lost food, if their food spoiled, they'll pay for their food or something because they don't have well food spoilage too. Uh, you know, if they if they had food spoilage too, that they would that'd be covered too. But this is strictly lost revenue, not just the food spoilage, mm-hmm. but the lost revenue because the power didn't come on until like nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they were all out Friday night for income, and and I always add that on that coverage on to all my restaurants, and believe it or not. It's $15 for the endorsement. Oh, wow. Okay. So, like, let's just do this, right? That, that makes complete they're sense. They're like, they're like stupid not to have it. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> uh, but, and, and the other one is, um, there's something called EPLI, which employment practices liability insurance, which probably a lot of businesses don't carry, but they should. And that's like if you fire somebody, they say for age discrimination, they're an older worker and they said it's the only reason you get rid of them or, sexual uh, misconduct mm-hmm. that's covered under that. So if you get rid of somebody and they, they accuse you of sexual misconduct. So it's a way for an employer to protect himself from the employees coming after him for, you know, indiscretions. And, and what is whatever. that? EPL, you said, correct? EPLI. L-I. So what is that? Um, Employment so- Practices Liability Insurance. Mm-hmm. So, what is that, so what does that cover? Just what I said. It covers, you know, uh, sexual discrimination, uh, age discrimination. So, so if they sue you or if they try to go for compensation or maybe they try to well, file this, this unemployment. Is a, this would be different than compensation and unemployment. Okay. It's totally different. This is for an employer-employee relationship that has gone sour. You know, they, they want to come after the employer for other than lost income and want to come after them for okay. pain and suffering type of thing. So, yeah, because I never heard this before, so I want to make sure. Yeah. Like, So people are like, like, what is he? Wait, what is that again? Yeah. How do we? Yeah. What does that mean? Maybe yeah. I should get that. Hey, really quick, I just interrupt your podcast really quick to ask you a simple question from one of our business sponsors of the Western Entrepreneur Podcast. Do you need a lawyer? If you own a business, then yes. From business formation, operating agreements, corporate contracts, licensing agreements, and employment contracts to business litigation, every business needs a great lawyer in its corner. The business attorneys at Rump Base Falls Grab Cunningham, customize every solution to the needs of your business while keeping you in compliance of local, state, and federal laws. Visit our website today at rumpbase.com. That's R-U-P-P-B-A-S-E.com. Rumpbase Falls Graph Cunningham, people at law. Now, back to your podcast. Okay, cool. Anything else do you think in a general sense is and I know, I know your niche is restaurants. So you can go in that direction as well. But what else do you think, or maybe there isn't, but something that kind of stands, sticks out to your mind in terms of coverage, insurance, or people maybe, or maybe something that makes you cringeworthy when they say this and you're like, ah, like you heard it a hundred times. Yeah. Maybe something sticks out there that you think, man, like that makes sense on a surface level, but really this is what you want to do in terms of that. Well, I, I, I think one of the things is the minimum auto liability limits in New York State have not changed in like 50 years. So the minimum is 25,000 per person per accident, 50,000 total and 10,000 of property damage. And I don't know why they they stay so low, but when people say, I just want the minimum limits, minimum limits, minimum, you know, when you think about a $10,000 property damage, how many cars on the road today 
are worth 10,000 or less. Not in today's economy anyways. No, no, no. <laughs> so here in our office, we only sell 100, 300, usually 100, 100, 300, 100. Mm. We won't sell 25,000, 50,000, 10,000, just won't do it. And so if people insist on that, then we just tell them, you know, maybe you're better off going to Geico or mm. some some cheap outfit like that because we won't do it. To me, the integrity and the protecting the people to me is more important than them wanting the cheapest price. Mm -hmm. Well, because in the end, you're the one that's going to get that phone call because you have so many clients, you're bound to get them right. probably weekly. Right. Hey, am I actually covered? Yeah. I got to imagine after a while, you probably would get sick of that conversation. Oh, no, you're not. You took yeah. the cheapest price. You took yeah. the cheapest price. Yeah, that's why we don't do it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like like uh, they came out with uh, for homeowners about it's the coverage only been out about 10 years, maybe. But underground utility coverage came out about maybe five, six years ago, something like that. And we did a blanket letter to all our homeowners clients and all our landlord clients, one to four family landlords, because that it covers them too. Mm. And said, hey, this coverage is now available for like 20 bucks a year. Everyone that we sent the letter to that called us, they all took us up on the offer. It's like, you know, with our older infrastructure here in Buffalo, you know, you're sort of, um, you know, not penny wise and pound foolish to get that coverage. You know what I mean? Like a few of the companies have now bumped it up. It's like 30, some of our, some are 40, some $45, but, but it's really with our infrastructure here in Buffalo. It's, I mean, we probably, we probably get maybe five of those claims a year, I want to say. And it's costing people seven, seventy five hundred, eight grand to fix their either water line or sewer line. So for 25 bucks a year, I mean, it's well worth That's having that coverage. All these little things that matter that just, oh, like, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. So that being said, man, what I really appreciate Tom, guys, is that Tom is an avid learner. He's constantly, you know, I remember we were talking about you constantly have a book in your hand. And I remember we originally met, I think it was at Seth Green's Mastermind, yeah, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And Tom is like the most like involved person there. And he's just like, oh, so how do you do this? And this is what I do for marketing. And I'm like, look at this guy. I'm like, th like this guy is like on fire. And you're constantly always, you're, you're, you're constantly evolving and learning. So my question to you is, how did that just come to you? Like, were you always that way? Did it, did it happen that way? And I have other questions, but I'll start, I'll start, I'll start there. I always knew I wanted to go in business for myself. Always like knew that like when I was a young kid and I started reading, I only read nonfiction books. I don't read any fiction whatsoever. And I always read books about how other people became successful. Mm. That's what I read all the time. That's, I probably have, I don't know, maybe a hundred books at home like that. Um, I just got one today, as a matter of fact. In fact, when, when Tom, when I first met, he sent me a book. Oh, did I? I don't <laughs> remember that. Book. You did. You oh, sent yeah. me a book with a personalized note. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was solid. But Th anyways. This was on my desk this morning because I just came back from a insurance conference in San Diego. And uh, one of my friends said, this is a great book. You got to get it. It's called The Flor Florence uh, Prescription. Mm -hmm. Joe Tyne is the author. It was just on my desk this morning. Yeah. So I just got it today. And um, I don't know. I just I just constantly read how people become successful and um, were you a reader before yes before? okay yeah, okay. I yeah. Want, I've, been I a, know. I've been a reader like my whole my whole life and uh and um like i said it's all nonfiction, but it's all good stuff so yeah i love it yeah so i don't remember what, sending you a book you did i i mean i got it i have it on my bookshelf wow you know cool. so yeah you sent me a book but that being said one thing about you is like you're really good with like like i know knowing you there's like I, how do i get the like how do i um 
I guess I'll say a referral program for lack of better words because the words are escaping me. But like you're really good at like basically like um, the behavior that you want, you like you basically appreciate it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. I know I'm not wording it right right now. But so my question to you is that you're really good at think of ideas to market or get traction, whether it's on social media, you have a hey, guess Josh Allen's yards yeah, right, and you get yeah. the free pizza. Yeah. I know you do raffles. Like I know Seth won a TV. Yeah. I know when, when as soon as you, uh, obviously you do my insurance for my properties and what I do and sent me a card like, hey, if you refer, you get this. I'm like, man, this guy just has a whole system in place. So tell me, where do you come up with these ideas? What ideas do you have for others? Or maybe things that have worked that haven't worked? Anything to do with marketing? Um, yeah, well, years ago, I belonged to a, a uh, basically an insurance only organization. And it was about marketing. It was about ideas. And out of that, I, we call our group mastermind 11. There's 11 insurance agency owners around the country. We have a uh, teleconference the first Tuesday of every month. We physically meet three times a year. And out of that comes all these different ideas. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So all these different ideas come from my friends and these people but I also belong to a bunch of Facebook groups that too that people talk about what they're doing in their insurance only type of business. But then I get other ideas from, like I said, all the books I read and diving into the the brains of people that are much smarter than me in other industries. But like getting back to your referral program, we've done that since day one. So it's been 19 and a half years. You know, we send out a, a coffee card for somebody that refers business to us. Once a month, out of that same basket, we send out a, a free pizza to somebody from one of our pizzeria clients. And then every December, we give away a 55-inch TV. All those names from the whole year stay in the same basket. And we just uh, we just keep them in there because we want, we want to honor and um, reward people that think of us. And even if we don't write the business, at least they're thinking of us and sending it to us. I mean, sometimes you can't help people because... They have two car accidents, one, you know, windstorm claim on their or home. Or they want the and, minimums again. <laughs> or they want the minimums again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. So uh, obviously you're very good at tracking where everything's coming in. Oh, yeah. And I know so many, and, I, and I'm sorry if this, I don't want to, you know, um, call anybody out or, or sound rude or like I'm better because I'm not better. But a lot of times, oh, I track this, I track this. But I noticed it's very rare they actually do. They might track it for a month, mm-hmm. a week. But you're pretty, you're pretty good at tracking it. Right at the top of our... Quote sheets. We have quote sheets for every line of business, but right at the top, it says referred by. And that's the first question they ask. How'd you hear about my, my staff asked, how'd you hear about us? You know, who told you to call us? That's the first thing. And it's on the top line of every quote sheet that we Mm -hmm. use in our office, whether you're calling in for a landlord business, a restaurant, your own personal auto insurance, homeowners, whatever it might be. You know, I'm Joe Smith. Okay, Joe, how'd you hear about us? Who mm-hmm. told you to call us? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they, they just find us on the on the web and that's fine. You know, we just mark that down. But if it's, you know, oh, David Schaub told me to give you a call. Oh, okay. Write that down right on the quote sheet so we know. And then we have keep everything on an Excel spreadsheet so it's easy that we can just track, you know, who called us, you know, what we did. Did we write them? No. Why? Too many accidents or yes. Put them with. Have you ever been this organized? Have you always? Because I'm not an organized person like this. I need like um, someone who is organized. I'm not either. If you look at my desk, I'm not organized. It seems like my there's sta- a method to the madness well, here. Well, my, my staff is. So speaking of your staff, you yeah. are, they're great. Yeah, In fact, thanks. you know, I forgot what it was. Something was, 
what happened? Maybe it was with my card or maybe it was, I didn't do the, oh, the photos. I couldn't get the photos oh, done in time. And I'm just okay. so busy. And I called like 12 shops. They said, we don't do photos anymore. We're booked three weeks out. And I had to do it by within two weeks. Yeah. 10, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I'm trying to get the photos, but I can't spend three hours calling shops. Yeah, no, right, I called right. for like an hour and I got to do the next thing. And you're, you're, you're a lady. I apologize. I don't remember her name, but she she went and she called and she goes, "This shop has something opening next week." I'm like, "You oh, wow. went out and did that for me." Wow. Like, I just thought that was so. How do you find these people, Tom? Like, is there like a how do you find good employees? How do you how do you keep good employees? Well, I, I'm a big believer in culture. I believe that if I treat my employees the right way, they're going to treat our clients the right way. So I'll do little surprises, like you know, during the summer, if it's 85 degrees out, I'll step the ice cream store and buy them all ice cream Sunday. Mm-hmm. One time I was out of town at a conference and uh, I called Fat Bob's and they delivered brisket lunches to them. Um, so just little things like that. You know, if it's a, it's a hot summer day, you know, let's say it's, a, I don't know, Thursday afternoon or whatever, we'll leave at four o'clock, cut out an hour early. You know, it's a beautiful day out, you know, just go home, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so like Friday's going to be Veterans Day. We're going to be working because it's a good catch-up day for us to get caught up with with stuff. But I'll probably let them go like 3 o'clock. Usually we close at 4 on a Friday. I'll probably let them go like either 2.30 or 3 o'clock and just, you know, I'll still pay them the 4. Yeah. But, you know, just little stuff like that, you know, little little touches, little things, you know, you know, just even a thank you note on their desk over the weekend and they come Monday morning and there's a little note for them, whatever. I mean, it's just... It's not all these necessarily big things. It's no. all these little things. Right, exactly. That just kind of the intention of, hey, I care. And it's just yeah, not just, right. you know, right. I, I employ. It's like, no, it's, I mean. Just little you kind things. Of come in your, little, yeah, little, it, it little is, things. I totally agree with you. You don't, you don't have to give them, you know, big, a, huge uh, thing. It's you just, mean they buy them a new car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't need to do that. No, just a little touches. You know, the ice cream and the, the lunch and a note at their desk, whatever. I mean, just, you know, just little stuff. It doesn't have to be big. You know, mm. I'm a big believer in culture. I really am. And I think finally now I got the right people on staff, the right culture. It took a little while. We went through a few people. Some people, too, that come to mind came over from uh, from Geico, the big Geico office in Amherst. And uh, they didn't work out because, well, at Geico, we didn't do it that way. Geico, we didn't do it that way. Well, you're not at Geico anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're, in, we're an independent broker with 18 different companies. So there's going to be a lot of different ways to do stuff here. I'm sorry, but you know, we're not a one trick pony. So and as we all know, things just take out. It's all about trial and error sometimes, but like it's, it's clear. It's very clear. The culture is good here. So again, last question to our, our listeners here is like, Hey guys, how are you treating your employees? Or if you're going to be hiring employees, how do you want your culture to be? How are you going to put systems in place for that culture to be, to be bred, if you will, because things, culture just doesn't happen. And we can put a vision statement on their, on their, on their wall. But it's it's the culture that really drives the force, not the mission statement necessarily. So that being said, Tom, that's all the time we have, man. We're 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're, wow. we're moving. So mm-hmm. for those that really just kind of want to maybe have coffee with you, maybe have a one-on-one, mm-hmm. or maybe they want to quote, have you quote some insurance? Sure. What's the best way for them to contact you? I enjoy email. I love email because I usually wake up 6 o'clock in the morning, put my coffee on, and power up my laptop and... I'll go, you know, start working early before I go to the gym because I go to the gym just about every single day. But um, so for an hour, hour and a half, I'm I'm on my emails and then I obviously at the office, I have it open all day. So Tom at LarsonInsurance.com is the best way to reach me. 
And um, Can you spell Larson, your last name for those? Yeah, I know. L-A-R-S-E-N because a lot of people spell it O-N. Oh, I sent you that email. No, you didn't. I didn't get it. Oh, I spelled it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's E or the it's, O, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so e. it's, it's common. It's common uh, misspelling. So Yeah, well, we'll put it in the bio so that way people that are there you like go. They're driving or they're, they're, you know, they forgot the E or the L. It's right there. Yeah. So, Tom, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, um, Dave. I know you're a busy guy, and thanks yeah. for being a good friend. Thank you. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.